If you look at anyone who's at the top of their game, they always invest in improving their mindset. I think it's 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 crucial. It's probably the number one thing the advice I could give somebody would be to to do is you can work yourself into the ground, but you're what you're working on won't improve the business if you haven't got the right mindset because you end up just repeating tasks but you've got no heart behind it. People who do that and then they'll be like, oh, I've worked so hard today, but it's not actually done anything because your heart wasn't in that day. Um, I think mindset is so crucial and it can affect so much. If you have a bad mindset or if you're upset or things that hurt, anything like that, and believe me, that's going to leak into your business. Welcome to the She Leads Business Show for female owners and leaders of small and medium-sized businesses. You are in the right place if you want a more aligned success, to make a greater impact and to have happy, engaged, high-performing and inflow teams that you trust to get the job done. Allowing you to ditch the stress and firefighting, to focus on your most fulfilling high-value work and to have the financial and time freedom to live the life you truly desire and deserve. I'm your host, Una Doyle, founder of creativeflow.tv, and I'm a speaker, business strategist, and impact coach. Business owners and leaders hire me to help them to achieve impact-driven growth. Yes, not every business owner is in the position to hire me, so I created this podcast, and in every episode, myself and my guests share the stories, strategies, and actionable wisdom to help you to achieve this too. Now, on with the show. So, Sarah, lovely to have you here. I'm very delighted that you have joined us. And tell me a bit about yourself, your background, where did you grow up? Okay, all right, where to begin? Uh, it's nice to be here too. So basically, um, starting from the beginning, um, I did a, I've always lived in the northwest of England, uh, moved around a little bit that way. I went to university in Lancaster and studied law. And then I went to London to UCL to do a master's and an LPC. And then I moved abroad to the Cayman Islands to work in law as a paralegal. So I did that for four years. So when people, so right now I have a chemical manufacturing plant in Haydock. Uh, I like to compare my business to Aldi. So if somebody wants lots of Dettol, I will make super Dettol <laughs> or anything really um, liquid. It's like having a fully stocked kitchen and you make a, a lot of different recipes. Um, and we, uh, you know, I have 800 products on my range and we're constantly adding to that range just by figuring out what's in products and trying to offer it to the market for more competitive pricing. So people often say, well, you were in law before, why are you now in chemicals? <laughs> uh, which is a bit of a story. Yep. Um, so I was working in the Cayman Islands and my brother and my dad have always been entrepreneurs. They've had their own businesses for a, a long time in very different industries. So my brother has a, a solvent manufacturing plant uh, for the printing industry, very bespoke uh, business. And my dad used to be an ink for flexible packaging. Um, and at the time they approached me and said, would I be interested in buying a business with them that was in Nosley? It was called Chemtech, a gentleman called Bob ran, ran it. And would I be interested in buying that business with them? So I said, sure, um, I will come back for a year. Um, and I will start this business up, help you start it up, and then I will go on to 
character who do my qualifications in law after that. So that was the whole plan. So I moved back, did a lot of work with the help of my brother and my dad to get this business, like to, to get all the data ready for the transfer of the asset and the deal fell through at the last minute. So they ended up selling to an American firm and we didn't get the business. So I'd done a lot of work on this and I had to make a decision uh, whether to just go straight into law or in the end, I decided to start it myself very naively. <laughs> um, I thought, you know, what I thought, oh, you know, I've got my brother and my dad's expertise, it'll be fine, you know, they can help me if I need to, and I will let go. And at the time, that was more of the idea. But one thing led to another, and we shared a site with a third company that we weren't involved with. So I moved on to site with my brother, and then there was a third company on the site who had the lease of the premises. They went under with no notice to us. So it was one of those like moments where you're like, wow, they, they turned the electricity off. Everybody walked out. There was like cups of teas on the side, everything. And we were like, what are we going to do? So we tried to get in touch with the landlord. Uh, they wouldn't let us stay unless we paid the back rent. Electricity company wouldn't let us stay. So we all sat there in the dark and had fish and chips in the dark and decided that we would move sites. But that obviously meant a bit of a difference. I just started my business and my brother's like, I can't be involved as I'm going to have to, you know, the moving of it, he's very equipment-based. equipment, equipment based. So it was going to, he was going to have to close for three months to move his equipment. It was going to cost a significant amount of his business and he was going to have to focus all his energy that way. So I said, that's fine. I will do it all myself. And seven years later, I have a team of 11 people and every day is new and different and a challenge. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've wasted a lot of money and finally got it to somewhere today where, you know, it's um, profitable, it's doing well, we've grown year on year. It's just always trying to trying to make it bigger and better. And that is Azure Liquid Solutions, my company. Fantastic. <laughs> what a journey. I, I, I want to go back a yes. few steps though. What, how did you end up in the Caymans? Well, when I left my degree, it was the credit crunch. So there was no jobs, absolutely nothing in London. I was in London at the time. Um, and the Caymans is actually a tax haven. So it's very big on accountancy firms and law firms. And I'd been out there about five or six times um, with just the family. Uh, we liked to vacation there. And my sister had lived out there for a year. She'd moved back at the time, but she'd lived there. And my parents in retirement were back and forth from there quite a lot. They had a property out there. So I'd kind of got to know the island quite a bit and decided I would try my luck. Because And also, it, with, you don't get tax on your salary. So my earning potential out there compared to a training contract in London was significantly different. So I was young and I went and you know, found a job, uh, did some temping at first, and then somebody, uh, a law firm there, Stuart Walker Harrison, offered me a job, very, you know, it was only a few, like two months after I got there, so it worked out pretty well, and, you know, it's a bit, it was a bit like Never Never Land, you know, it was a small island, there was a lot of people my age, and accountants, a lot of expats, so it was really, it was a great experience in my life, but there's a time to come back to reality. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what what i'm curious as to like so you said there's a lot of law and accounting obviously because of it being a tax yeah. haven i'm just curious about 
what's it like for women in business in the Caymans? Is it quite similar to here in the UK? Not in like, law. It, I think every okay. job I've ever done has kind of been very male-dominated. Um, law is very, very, very stereotypically, especially in firms like that that ha haven't got the diversity edge. So a lot of like very big firms in the UK, they really focus on diversity. You get the small niche firms, uh, they don't have a team to do that. So it is it's all white male class white middle class males you know um all of them there was one female lawyer out of 10 in the entire firm um it just doesn't you mean you get a lot of legal secretaries who are female um and a lot of the other statutory roles but not the strong you know um especially the higher up you just don't get the female positions in the management positions at all and um, so i've always found that to be the case from, from day one. From day one, it's always been a, a male-dominated industry. And the industry I'm in now is extremely male-dominated. But I think I, I was kind of prepared for that, having a legal background, uh, because it was exactly the same. And it was the same kind of... It was, it's a different type of customer that I work with now. So it's more like engineers. So it's more of a, uh, you know, a, you know, a, a hands-on job. Whereas I found law lawyers to be more middle class, um, snobby. <laughs> um, whereas you, do, I don't kind of get that in this industry. It's a kind of different type of male, but extremely male dominated. And what kind of strategies or tactics have you used then to be able to survive and thrive in these male dominated industries? Um, well. This is always a complicated one because, you know, I, I would consider myself to be feminist um, and I'm always trying to promote women and have more women in the industry and making people aware of the things they do, which are discriminatory against women that they don't realize a lot of the time. But I, I think a lot of the ways that have helped me to get on with men is that I have a dominating personality. So I have a lot of male traits in my personality, which isn't necessarily the best way forward for women, because I don't think women should have to fit into a male role to be able to fit in. But I think because I have a lot of those dominant traits and I won't let somebody, you know, talk to me a certain way or belittle me as a woman. Um, and I would stand up myself in, in, a, in a meeting full of men, I'm not afraid to speak up. Um, so I think that made a big difference to let men recognize you and, and recognize that you have uh, potential and you have value that you can add to something. So I found a lot of the time I have to, I have to prove myself harder. I think there is no doubt that women have to do better than men to prove themselves. Uh, you have to work harder and you have to, you know, and you, you're, there's less room for mistakes, but it's giving it's making them recognize more that you have got value and shocking them with that that makes them i think rethink some of the ideologies that are in their head and the way that they think a lot of the time especially in engineering i walk onto a site as a woman and they, they think i'm a, like a, a tax collector so nobody wants to speak to me but i managed to get all the way in because they're like you know there should be a woman here so she must know where she's going so i think um I always come as a surprise immediately when I when I go to business meetings. You know, out of a thousand clients I've had, I don't. I have I think less than five percent of those clients are women. 
Um, it's a very small number, but I think the shock factor helps in a lot of ways. Sometimes I think that it can be hard for women uh, a lot of the time, a lot of it's a struggle, but then we can use things to our advantage and the shock factor is a great advantage. You know, when they go to me, oh, so are you the secretary? Are you? No, and I'm like, no, I'm the business owner. They're always like, oh. And yes, of course, there is that level of discrimination where the shock is frustrating because they're always surprised. It's always like, well done. Well done, you female. <laughs> yeah, Here's a little well pat on your head. Oh, haven't you done well? Or is it a family business? <laughs> I get that a lot. But then, yeah, I get a lot of a lot of comments like that. But at the same time, I use that much to my advantage a lot to to then oh, start the conversation. I always think so you need a level of connection with the client, and if you can get into that conversation straight away, and, and they want to have a conversation with you and find out why you're in this business. It can actually help. So I like to think, um, even though there's a lot of discrimination, you can really work with that to actually give you a step up. So it's turning the disadvantage into an advantage, which isn't always easy. And you have to have a certain personality and you have to be able to um, not always see it as negative and be like, rude. <laughs> but it's, um, it's about having a sales face and to put your best foot forward and prove the wrong. I want to ask about like some of the language that you use to describe yourself there, because you said I have a domineering personality. Is it really domineering or are you just being confident and assertive? Yeah, that's, well, what, one of the things um, I find, one of the things I did for sales, so I'm always trying to learn with sales, always trying to develop myself and um, progress. And I, I think a lot of, and I think that's that's a good thing about young business owners and women is a lot of male, older business women, they don't, they don't men don't want to learn anymore. They think they know it all. We're, we're so willing to progress. So I'm always trying to progress my knowledge. So I did this sales training one time and we did a personality test. So you get a different color. I don't know if you've ever done it. And um, so you get a color depending on what personality traits you have. And I'm a red personality, which is quite um, dominating and assertive and all the other things. But yeah, I think it's, it's difficult because there's a lot of words that come into that category, like confidence um, and all of the above. But when it's a, when it's a man, it's confidence. <laughs> when it's a woman, a lot of the time it's domineering or, or whatever. But um I would say that I definitely am, but I think I have to. So I've learned that whoever I talk to in front of me, I will become that color to 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 get on well with them. So there's no point me having a red personality and dealing with a member of staff who is like a green, so really sociable, really bubbly. If I'm going to be really straight to the point and really abrupt and this is the way I want things, they're not going to respond well to that at all. So I will adapt my personality depending on the audience that is in, in front of me. If somebody really likes data, you know, they want to see the hundred different ways that's in this product, then I have to make sure I've got that. Whereas if I'm like with like a, with a standard red personality, really, I would like to go into a meeting and put a watch on a desk and be like, we've got 10 minutes. So let's not do the chit chat. Let's get on to the point. But if I went and did that with somebody who wasn't that personality, I wouldn't get very far in business. So I think you have to be able to change face whoever's in front of you and that is really important you can't you have to listen to the other person to be able to 
to work with that person. I like things right to the point and in a structure, so especially like meetings, things like that, very structured. I don't like a lot of the fuzz, but if I am dealing, if I have a sales meeting and somebody likes the fuzz, then you have to learn to adapt to the situation that you're in. I think you have to be very adaptable. And I, I would agree to, to an extent, definitely. I think when it comes to communications and sales, obviously, is a big part of communications. We have to ensure that our messages are received. As, as you said, we need to make sure that we are listening um, and people learn in different ways. People receive information in different ways. You know, we all have different natural strengths and personalities that you know, help us to be in flow uh, and that flow is something we, we talked about previously. And um, yeah, I think I think for me, I think it, there's a difference between what this is making me think of is I, I don't want someone listening to this to think, oh, I have to make myself into something that I'm not. Yeah. And so I just want to to kind of put a bit of parameter around what you said, because it's very valuable. And I want to make sure people don't overdo yeah. it because there's a difference between knowing, hey, this is who I am. It's not everybody's taste. And there might be occasions when I want to modify that a little bit to make sure that I can connect with yes. somebody and we get to achieve our mutual objectives. Yeah, exactly. You have to keep true to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to like me many years ago when I didn't know who I was and I was a massive people pleaser, I would twist myself in knots trying to be what I thought other people wanted me to be. <laughs> so, so I just wanted to pull out that distinction so so people understand ah okay there's a big difference because one is coming from a place of um low self-esteem yeah and the other is coming from a place of oh no i'm i'm confident i can be who i am and there are occasions where we may as business owners choose to go actually these are the clients that i want to work with and if people don't like this that or the other either about my business model or my strategies or the way i am well, then they're just not the right client for me. Oh, yeah. And then there's times when, you know, you've that it makes sense to do that bit of modification as as you were describing. Yeah, yeah. I think um, a lot of it comes down. There's a difference between sales technique and management. So when you are managing or working in a team, you have to trade stay truthful to who you are because you can't play every face because they, they, you can't hold them up for long enough either. Um, and it, you get frustrated. But I think with, with sales, when you're trying to pitch something, then that's when you have to read your audience a lot. Absolutely. Yes. And I think that there's a whole episode in itself yeah. <laughs> all around different sales yeah. techniques and how to communicate and present in ways that are going to actually, you know, get you the, the outcomes that you really want. Um, so talking about your team yeah. um, and talking about yourself in your business, I'm curious then, in, in terms of your own personal flow, if you were to give yourself a score from zero to 10 as to how in flow or out of flow you are, where 10 is the most in flow, and I'll just 
have a think about that for a moment as I just for anyone who hasn't heard me talk about this already being in flow are those times when sometimes people call it being in the zone where you're just so engrossed and kind of enthralled in what you're doing that you lose all sense of time you typically are you know really productive adding a lot of value and even when challenged you have there's a confidence there in knowing I can achieve my objectives despite these challenges that I'm that I'm facing and, and it's a wonderful state to achieve you know when you're in flow because well it makes life a lot easier you cannot be stressed and in flow in the same moment so it's very very powerful for people who want to increase the well-being and, and there's massive productivity and profitability impacts as a result of business owners and their teams being more in flow as well so i'm curious what what would you put your flow score so is this for myself personally or for my team yeah for you personally myself personally i'm i range day to day (laughs) um i would say anything between five and ten um very much depending on situations of the day so some things can really knock my flow down uh staff problems you know um complaints anything like that and i can really instead of becoming motivated for it i can become really demotivated um but then for example if i so i've just been on holiday that first week after a, a break a bit a little bit of self time after you because you know you when you when you're a business owner you work so hard and a lot of hours, and it's not something you just go home from. Even if you went home at five o'clock, you're not putting it to bed. You know, it's it's with you all the time. So to go and get some space, even if it's yoga or a holiday, I can come back, and on that day, I will be ten. I will be, you know, with a new sense of, you know, what I'm doing, a new sense of purpose. But generally, I average between a, a five and a seven and an eight day to day. But I have these huge highs and lows in between, depending on um, what's happened that day, which is a lot of my own fault is because I, you know, I take it so personally. I let a lot of things, if something negative happens in the day, I can, I can let it really affect my flow, which isn't always the best, which isn't the best course of action. <laughs> uh, but I know that's a weakness that I have is that if a if member of staff, you know, if this, if this is a problem, then it will affect me personally because I can't, you know, it'll it'll frustrate me that much. And it's really interesting because it isn't something that people always talk about in terms of business or flow, but that's just the impact of mindset yes. oh, yeah. on leadership, on your business growth, <laughs> on your life experience. Yeah. It's, it's huge, absolutely huge. And it's very interesting if you look at anyone who's at the top of their game, they always invest in improving their mindset. Oh, I think it's it's, cr- it's it's crucial. It's probably the number one thing that anybody, the advice I could give somebody would be to, to do is you can work yourself into the ground, but you're, what you're working on won't improve the business if you haven't got the right mindset because you end up just repeating tasks but you've got no heart behind them. So even like, even like sales or you end up just, you have to switch it up and you have to develop and you have to change and you can't do the same thing for five hours. You know, you have to change all the time. And 
people who do that and then they'd be like, oh, I've worked so hard today, but it's, it's not actually done anything because your heart wasn't in that day. Um, I think mindset is so crucial and it can affect so much. If you have a bad mindset or if you're upset or things that hurt, anything like that, and believe me, that's going to leak into your business. Absolutely. Leak is the word because it's so subconscious so much of the time that people don't even know they're doing yeah. it. You know, it's it's like that kind of, oh, yes, I'm going on a diet. And while they're reaching into the biscuit yeah. tin. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's a couple of things for international <laughs> listeners. <laughs> um, and it's the, the, one of the reasons why I'm asking that question of you, Sarah, is because you know, you're, you're in this position where you have got a team, but a lot of your team are actually producing. So you're still at the stage where your team is growing, but you're still having to do all yes, the things. Yes, I've got the million hats. To a lot, yeah. a large extent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so definitely the more that you're able to offload some of those things and understanding which of those things to offload is is really really critical yeah. in helping to to improve you know to improve your flow um and of course the same thing applies to your team as well and i think um w one of the things that i'd love to talk about is employee engagement oh yeah i think it's um the hardest part of my job <laughs> uh i i think in generally working with employees it's extremely difficult uh, it's definitely something i struggle with um in some ways it's easy certain staff you know um especially when you get above the minimum minimum wage so like my marketing girl she's fantastic because she has this motivation and her salary is based on that kind of motivation so you can do things like that and um, so you know she she's already so motivated and our conversations and our meetings are so great but then you, when you have production staff and you haven't got the budget to offer them a pound above what Amazon offers, offers down the road, you know, so you're on minimum wage. It's a very hands-on job. It's difficult for them to perform. You know, the performance is hard to rate because they're they're manufacturing products all the time, and every different product takes a different amount of time. Um, it's difficult to motivate those staff. Uh, they're, they're definitely the ones that, uh, you know, I have the, uh, the most turnover of staff or the most issues, um, a lot of them, you know, and it's not just, it's that, you know, there are a lot of staff that have problems at home. Um, you know, they, 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 they come from a, a poorer background. So they have a lot of, a lot more struggles. Um, so trying to motivate them and keep them, you know, positive is something that is a, a battle to, to say the least. So what kind of things have you done so far to help with that? Yeah, so we do we do we do a number of things. Well, one, I'm really into inclusivity in terms of everybody knowing where the business is and everything that's going ahead. So that nobody feels like they're not part of the bigger picture. So I make sure, ensure that we have a monthly meeting with every member of staff. So full meeting of a rundown, how we've done this month, what we've achieved, what we've not achieved where our problems are and what, what we, not just problems, trying to make sure it's not just negative and um, to say, you know, this is what we've done this month as a team. This is the brand new clients that we've got. This is how much money we've made. This is how much we've made compared to last month. This is our graph. And, um, you know, so I'm very 
I'm very into making sure that everybody's aware. So then, therefore, if they if they are thinking, you know, oh, you know, uh, not every, you know, everybody's. I feel like it's the business isn't doing well or the business is doing really well and I'm not getting rewarded for that. They know, they know where we are. They know where we stand. They know what, you know, so even things if like I'm getting a new piece of equipment or a ventilation equipment or, you know, we're working on this, how, you know, and giving, giving them this, the forum to have some kind of feedback and conversation into that. So I, I, I do that, um, which helps to an extent. We also have some like positive, um, uh, actions to things like if we hit target as a business we buy lunch for the whole team you know it's something really small it it, it seems like not a big deal it goes down so well it, it's just a small thing that can make you know a big difference i also find if you can't if i can't help with increase of salary flexibility really helps with staff so to say okay uh, so what i do is in, i make it a positive place to work at that salary so instead of going to amazon where i know it's going to make more fun on this it's just because they're next door um it, i know that they don't have the best um employee retention because the conditions are really bad and um, it may be even through that but in general say their company's not got great conditions so i'll say okay well you know if they've got children problem at home okay well why don't you come in at six i'm flexible with the hours that they do in terms of what they work you know if they've got a problem I'm going to be okay with them having that problem so that they can make up that time in a different way. Whereas if you're very much, this is the in time, this is the out time and there's no flexibility, it's difficult to keep this for the staff to think, why are you any different from any other business? Where if I offer that kind of flexibility, um, you know, then they're much more likely to think, oh, I don't want to leave this business because I can do this or I can come in at six till on Monday instead of nine to two because I have to drop my children at school or if I get you know I've got one um one worker who's part-time and he um has children in you know foster care children and he'll get phone calls from the school and he knows that he can take he can take a phone call he's not going to get you know told off because he's told me that there's an issue he can take a phone call and he can leave if he needs to and we'll work it out some other time and so we you know I try to do things like that try to have those kind of meetings, I try to increase salary where I can, which is an obvious one and it re really is a big motivator, but not always possible. And I understand as a business owner and as somebody who has gone through it, if you can't always do that, it's not always possible. Um, so all these little other things can help, but there's, I'm always willing to take improvement from any recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever wondered why most time management and productivity systems fail despite the huge amount of information that is out there? So why is it that so many business owners end up overworked and sometimes even burnt out? The answer is flow, or rather a lack of it for too many people. I've put together a free 50-minute jam-packed training video where you'll find out how to consistently get in flow, how to increase sales, reduce stress and overwhelm, and have more fun, focus, and creativity without being worked into the ground. Now, here's some things that I'll reveal on this free video training. So, number one, what is flow? 
the nine elements of it and how to identify it, why it's so important to reduce stress and overwhelm and increase focus. Number two, why many well-meaning business coaches, consultants and trainers can actually handicap you from having sustainable growth. Number three, the three specific elements of flow that you need in place in your business and the simple yet profound tool that makes this easy to do. Number four, the golden rule of flow that underpins everything without which it's impossible to implement in your business. And number five, the one thing that will free up your time and increase your productivity so that you can get what's most important done. And you'll also learn the real reason behind why even those who do know how to get into a flow state often end up not mastering it. Sound good? Well, many other business owners just like you have told me how much they got from this training too. So head over to creativeflow.tv, get flow, or click the link in the episode description. Well, one thing that uh, comes to mind is, um, is it possible, like, do does each worker... Are they able to judge their own level of success? Like, is there one measure that they could have that they know, even if that measure changed from project to project, I understand you're producing different things all the time. I wonder, is there some measure? Because that's that's one thing that really, really helps to uh, to have people be engaged, that they're not dependent on waiting on an appraisal or for a manager yeah. to say something that they actually can go, okay, my my job is to achieve this every day. Um, even if that number changes, but if it could be the same, then that's great. But, you know, obviously that depends on the type of business and what their role is, but it gives them a, a modicum of control. Um, it yeah, also okay. is something that's a shorthand that they can discuss with their managers. So the, the, whoever the, whether it's you or, you know, a supervisor on the team that they can quickly say, like, I, I remember, um, uh, a sh- uh, if, you, if you imagine like, um, say, um, uh, a food outlet that does takeaway and, um, and so people come up to the, the takeout window, like how many smiles can that person get? So that has a massive knock-on effect onto the customer service, but it's something easily measurable that they can go to themselves and they can just write a little little scratch every time and they count up all those scratches like, oh, great, I got X many smiles today. And they can keep looking to improve that. And it's something that's in their control, particularly you know, for, yeah, I think actually it doesn't matter what the job is, whether it's a, a kind of, you know, uh, senior management position or whether it's somebody do, doing a more manual job people like to have that bit of control bit of knowledge yeah. without it being dependent on other people okay i will definitely consider that it brings interesting conversations actually because the conversations that you have with your staff in discussing something like that really gets some thinking about the impact they have on other people. So obviously, if somebody is customer facing, then it's it's quite obvious. But when they're not customer facing, well, who's their internal customer? Is it the person who's next in the production line to them? And actually, then they're not 
as aware as they might be of the impact they have on what they do or don't do on the next person in the workflow. Um, uh, yeah, just, I don't know, this, it, it can bring up interesting conversations. Okay, yeah, that's definitely something to consider. I'm sure I can think of something that, you know, that every day that they could give themselves a mark on. Well, and if it, part of this is about, and, and I know if they've not had these kinds of conversations before, it can at first be a bit like, you know, trying to get blood from a stone. <laughs> yes, that's but the half the issue is that they're not responsible you know, I'll ask for feedback or ask for comments or is there any issues? Is there and it's dead silence. <laughs> yeah. So the these are definitely conversations that are best held one to one. And yeah. sometimes like particularly for um the type of um uh person who is in production, they quite often are more hands on detail focused and they mm. need time to think. So you might be the kind of person who thinks really quick, boom, boom, boom. Whereas actually planting the seed with them and saying, okay, in the next time I see you or in a few days or next week, we're going to talk about X. I want you to think about, you know, look at who do you have an impact on or what is the one thing that you can measure for yourself that, you know, contributes to this, the success of the company, no matter how small or insignificant it may appear. Um, and give them time to think about it as well um, because we all think in different ways so yeah. so that might be uh, helpful as well um okay one of the questions I wanted to ask about as well is tell me about a, a kind of WTF or what I call the what the flip <laughs> moment that you have experienced in your career or in your business I mean I've had a few <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely think topical at the moment, um, one that, you know, something that's going to stick with me forever, um, was obviously the COVID outbreak. Um, so mm. obviously as a chemical manufacturer, I make a lot of chemicals and obviously the COVID outbreaks happened and there is a raw material called isopropyl alcohol um, we're quite a big supplier of that product so we we have a lot of stock around 20,000 liters of this stock and it goes into you know screen it goes into hundreds of products like screen wash uh, disinfectant loads of different things um, but it, it obviously it goes into hand gel at 70 percent concentration so it's a big percentage of the product is this raw material um, now, before COVID, uh, hand gel was a, a market product, but it was vastly supplied by Johnson & Johnson, you know, all the really big guys, bundle cleaning supplies, you know, their guys that I don't even try to compete with, they're multi-billion pound companies, they're on the stock exchange, you know, they're, they're just not where we are. Now, there is, uh, isoprobile is a bit like fuel, so there's fuel in the market um, to an extent. Now, COVID happened and everybody bought the isopropyl out of the market to the point that there was none in the market whatsoever. So there was a lot of, um, just as a bit of background, there was a lot of people saying, you know, people are profiteering from hand gel, but there was none in the market. And so that price, like fuel, there's none rockets. And so I had 20,000 liters of this product. So my phone starts ringing because obviously I have a website and it's, it's online. Um, 
And, you know, people Google chemical manufacturers, people are, are nonstop Googling to try and find this product. They find they're ringing anybody who can supply this product because it's not just used in this in, in this industry as well. It's people like you would be surprised, like um, it's used in the food industry and it's used in, in, in photography. Anyway, like Canon, when they're making like certain things, they use it. So they couldn't get hold of it. So it affected not just that business book, hundreds of businesses in the UK where it's a big product. So my phone at the office started ringing on the first day and it did not stop ringing for three weeks. It was insane. So the first business call that I got for it was um, hand gel. Can you make hand gel? And we will take everything that you've got. So I'm like, I haven't actually made hand gel before. (laughs) But a lot lot of things in business. Um, I'm very much, yes, we can. And I'll figure out the detail later. And take a mind, it is like a kitchen. It's not hard work. And it's, it's a kitchen without a cooker. It's mixing things cold and making a product. And a lot of it's water. And it, it's, it's a lot simpler than you'd think. You'd think it'd be really complicated, but it literally is. 2% this, 2% that, 96% water. You know, it's, uh, it, it's a lot less complicated than people imagine. <laughs> and you mix it with a paddle and there you go, da-da. <laughs> but... Um, so I was like, this will be fine. I can make hand gel. So I sold a lot of hand gel. Um, and the customer, well, it was pro forma at the time because of obviously everything that's going on, the price is fluctuating like this. I sold everything we had and you put the money in my bank account that day. And obviously one of the ingredients is like a thickener. So I had to buy that. So I spent 50,000 pound on raw material that day with the money that he'd put in the account, plus all the bottles, plus everything else. Um, you know, I spent a lot of the money that he put in to, to be able to perform this, um, this order. Um, so I tell the lads in the factory, here's the formula, make me some hand gel, you know, make a sample. Um, and it was, it was right at the beginning. I know this because I was going to a concert that night in Liverpool. And so it was, you know, you could still go to concerts. It was getting a bit like, oh, can we go? Can we not? So it's right at the very beginning. It must have been March time. And... Um, the guys came back half an hour later. So it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. It won't gel. We can't make it gel. So I'm like, what do you mean you can't make it gel? So this is one of those times that you, this is business. I have to get my overalls on. So I go and I put my female overalls on and my rigger boots. And I leave everything I'm in that factory with the lads because you have to do it. Like I had to make the product. And I, I, I ring my brother and I ring my dad and I say you're going to need to come down to this factory and you're going to need to help me so it's all hands to deck you know everybody's in and we made a thousand leases and it still would not gel uh, and a thousand leases you know that's, that's a lot lot of liquids <laughs> you think like your little triggers that's 500 milliliters you know so it's it's, it's a, a car size of liquid <laughs> still wouldn't gel uh so we got to I missed the concert it's eight o'clock at night I can't get it to gel it will not work. So in the end, I'm just like, right, everybody go home. We'll have a look at this in the morning. We're, you know, we're going to have to come with a fresh mind. It'll be fine. Just go home. So I go, go to the concert, just catch the ending with the friends. And they're like, where have you been? I'm like, oh, hand gel. <laughs> um, and it was funny because they were actually in this concert. They were, they, it was like a, a hip hop old concert. And they were saying like, oh, you know, the, covid it's nothing everyone should just ignore it and right. it just shows you how things change over the next few weeks like covid is nothing 
So the next day I get up early, get in at 7am um, and take the chamber and we and we have this realization that it's the pH of our water. So um, just as a bit, bit of science behind it. So um, your pH normally it starts low and then you add it the final ingredient and it brings the pH up and it thickens. What the problem was our water was starting here. So it was never low enough to thicken. Right. So, which is really tacky and not like any other product. Like most things are never that tacky. It's like, there you go and it's done. So we had to use a different type of water and then it gelled immediately. But that was one of them moments where I'm like, I was like on the verge of tears for a good three hours because I could, I just couldn't understand why it wouldn't work. We were following the instructions. We were on the phone to our suppliers. I was in my overalls. I was covered in hand gel, covered like, in uh, it's pure alcohol, basically. So I, at least I wasn't getting COVID. Um, <laughs> everybody's there, and we, you know, it's like I've spent some of the money. So if I have to give this guy his money back, I'm also going to have to find the money to for all the other stuff that I bought. And it just, you know, sometimes you want to give up, and it's like no, give us some space. We came back the next day, and you know, we did it. Um, when you woke up the in the morning. Job after this it's you know when you hadn't yet got the solution what was going on in your head like how how did you feel i actually am much more motivated if i do that it's by the end of the night it's like eight o'clock on that night when i couldn't do it that's when i'm on the verge of like breakdown you know like what am i going to do mentals are like like negativity starts coming in i can't do this uh, i i can't it's, i'm gonna have to give the guys money back i'm gonna have to close the back you know like your whole world seems to end that's where I was getting to. I have to come away from it. So for me, it was, I had to come away from it, get a night's sleep. And then the next day I come in and I'm like, we're going to do this. I have to I take a little gap to, to get rid of that crash. And then I come in with a whole new motivation. And generally that motivation is what gets me through and that positive attitude. And you just, you get, get it done. But you, when you're in the meltdown stage, it doesn't matter what anyone can say to you anyway. Cause if somebody, you know, if my brother's saying to me next to me, it'll be fine. It, he could tell me that he's done it and I'm, the world is exploding around me. It's too, you know, I, it's a spiral of, uh, you know, negativity. So sometimes you've got to get away from the breakdown, clear your head and then come back in with a fresh start. Because I always think, Nothing ever is in the same way the next day. You can you can feel like the worst day of your life, but then you can just say, well, okay, well, let me see how I feel about it tomorrow. And I've never felt the same way the next day. You know, every, you know, sometimes you just, you've got to start a new day. You got to let go of that day. Absolutely. I mean, when you're <laughs> in the middle of that meltdown, there is no clarity. There are no <laughs> solutions. <laughs> Yeah. it's and just impossible it to stressed. think clearly yeah. yeah when that stress is going on absolutely it's it's impossible to come up with those uh those solutions well I'm very glad that it did work out and you got to the bottom of what was actually yeah. going on with that <laughs> yeah and we, we sold 15,000 liters of hand gel so it was a turning point for the business as well like that that was something that made my business really successful in those months. Like, um, it was, it was like the, it was like the, the whole point of working so hard and all of these things that you feel like you have bad luck with and you never catch a break and you're always trying, you're never quite there. That was the pay, that was the payoff. 
you know, that was the moment in my business where I'm like, this is why I did this. This is why I have so much gray hair. This, this is it. Like, um, so I definitely find sometimes you catch a break. Uh, it seems a long time coming and it's never an easy break, but sometimes you, you get it right. And, um, you got to remember that it's going somewhere because sometimes it doesn't feel like it's worth it. Every so often you, you catch a break. Fabulous. <laughs> I want to share with you now a, st- a statistic. So in every episode we have speak up statistic. Okay. And um, so this is from the Rose Review of Female Entrepreneurship. And basically this report says that fewer UK women choose to become entrepreneurs than those in best practice peer countries. I thought I'd share this one because you have worked internationally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so only 6% of UK women run their own business compared to 15% of women in Canada, almost 11 in the US, and over 9% of women in Australia and the Netherlands. And when you actually look at the comparison between men and women running business, um, the ratio of female to male entrepreneurs in the UK it's 0.46, so basically less than half of, you know, less than five women for every 10 men, uh, male UK entrepreneurs. Um, whereas you've got um, 0.9% in the Netherlands, um, eight in, the, in Spain, Australia, the US, Canada, Israel, and then even Sweden and Greece have gender parity ratios of 0.6 or more. So it's above here in the UK. I'm just curious as to what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would love to know the statistic of those who are in manufacturing as well, because there is it's it's really difficult to find women. And I, as I said, I really like to learn and do things. So um, I've looked so many times for like mentors who aren't male. You know, I can get mentors that are male, but they're not going to have the same experience as I am. So I wanted to find female mentors in manufacturing. Um, they don't exist. <laughs> um, it is shocking how little women are in this kind of business. And ne- and sometimes even when I find women who are, they were promoted into position or, it, or they've taken over a family business. So to find an entrepreneur who started a manufacturing plant from scratch, you just it's it's you just can't find them. And I think it's really, I think it's really sad. And I think a lot of that stems from uh, one, a lack of support for women in terms of business, business loans, things like that. So they we're not, I don't, I don't think I was ever encouraged in any point in my life to start my own business. Nobody came into school and said, you can do this. And when they do, it's like, um, I don't know if you did this in, business studies you like develop a business but they compare it to like apple they they don't compare it to realistic businesses that somebody might want to start from scratch like nobody's got 10 million pounds to start a business you know how how do you start it if you're just at home and you want to do something different like how do you get that kind of funding so a lot of times even things like when i'm talking to other people who want to start business i'm like oh have you spoke to local chamber about the grants that are available in this country what grants they don't, there's not a lot of information out there that's, that's given to people. And I think a lot of big businesses, um, you know, in, 
in the UK now push diversity. So like, okay, we need this many females on the board. We need this. We need disabilities. We need this. But because entrepreneur doesn't have that, I feel like it's like the governments and the banks need to push that to give women more opportunity because it's all the statistics show it's good for business. If a woman's a CEO, the business does better. <laughs> you know, it does better. The facts are there. Absolutely. But they're not pushing it forward. They're not trying to make it possible for women. Um, and I, I, I think that's really hard. You know, I think, I think a lot of women who go into business, it's a, it's a brave thing to do because you don't have the support around you that men necessarily have. And you go into networking with other business owners and you're the only woman in the room. And it's, it's, it's very difficult and we need so many more to make that kind of diversity and they need to be pushing um, investment into women's businesses and funding so that people actually think, oh, this is worth, worthwhile um, and I can learn from other people to do this. There needs to be more female mentorship programs, you know, there needs to be more female talks, things like this. You know, it's, um, it's, it's difficult. You, know, you, don't, you don't get a lot of female entrepreneurs who have hugely successful businesses that aren't like Vimto. So I know the CEO of Vimto is a female, but I'm, it's too far ahead for me. You know, if you're on the stock exchange, it's probably not going to relate to me or it's going to be um, a lot of service providers. So you get women who've done really well in businesses like marketing, which is fantastic completely unrelatable to what I do on a day-to-day -day basis and the kind of staff that I have and I think the diversity a lot of the time isn't there in the different industries to um, to actually have the, a great circle of women influencers and I hope that the future changes that way because it would be great to have women I could call and say what did you do in this situation so I have a female mentor at the moment um, from back end, she's a chemical factory in St. Helens. Um, she's the CEO there. Um, it's, in, it's an international firm, so she's just the CEO of the one in Haydock, and she was promoted into the position. But still, being able to ring, she rang me during COVID, like, what are you doing with your staff? Like, because she's, their company's so big, she could tell me, like, you know that if you send somebody home, it could be discrimination. You know that, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I did not know this. Like, so, you know, to have somebody in a bigger position who's thinking about you, who has the resources, is like, you know, the GDPR. Have you, do you know about the GDPR stuff? Have you, like, gone through that? Because a lot of the time when you're a small business, you're like, what? <laughs> what is that? You know, I, I, I do my health and safety and do this, but new legislation that comes in new information like it, it's very difficult i think um i would like to have 10 pair really right um, <laughs> but, you know needs the and i'm sure i could find 10 men but um i couldn't i couldn't find well i'm men. i'm doing my best to yeah. bring on women <laughs> who are in male dominated industries and in fact actually the reason why i decided to make this podcast for women because that actually wasn't my original intention i wanted to do a podcast and help SME business owners. And um, I thought, just I'm a feminist as well. And I thought, well, let me see. I want to make sure I get a balance. And so I thought, well, it's going to be easier to get men. So let me look for some women first. And I started searching on LinkedIn and I searched in IT first. And I went five pages on my sales navigator. I think it was about 100 people. And I found four or five female CEOs. And I was like, 
still are you kidding me <laughs> i know i know it's really sad and then you get like all this positive i think what you're doing is brilliant and then you get like a linkedin I, I love linkedin i think it's great for things like this you you get somebody who does post something about women in business and it being great and then you get those comments underneath <laughs> from men who say we need to do something for men or what about men and i'm like you have done well for so long. <laughs> Give us a break. We don't even want to do well. We just want to get to the same level. We just want to be on that right. first page with you. You know, yeah. that's all we're asking is to be at the same point where we enter the room, there's probably 50-50 or, you know, it doesn't matter because nobody knows this, but it's so normal. But not to be the shock in the room. You know, I don't want to be the shock. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's, it's really important and I'm, you know, I think it's, people don't it's you know people don't recognize how how wide the verge can be at times i want to share an amazing resource with you that has really helped me to be more focused in my everyday work so much so in fact that i've done this over 2000 times so far what is it a video co-working platform called focusmate.com the platform matches you with a partner for a 50-minute video call where we work on our own projects and hold each other accountable. And here's how it works. At the beginning of every session, you have a quick intro and tell each other what you plan to focus on during that session. And then you get to work. At the end of the session, you check in with each other to see how you got on. And there's just something magical about this in-the-moment accountability and the energy of having another person there. And the first time I realised how much of an impact my Focusmate sessions were having was one day when I booked six sessions, three in the morning and three in the afternoon. When I got to the end of the day, I was so tired and I had been super productive, got loads done. And I realised that these Focusmate sessions had stopped time leaks. For example, the three minute takes to boil the kettle, that turns into 10 or 15 minutes as you scroll on social media. These days, if I'm not coaching, speaking or in a meeting, if it's working hours, I'm probably on a Focusmate session. I typically use them to work on my marketing and to do admin, but you can do whatever you want on them. Personally, I find it helpful to type what I'm doing into the chat box as I'm doing it, task by task. Another benefit I've received is that I've got much better at understanding how long it actually takes to do things, which has really helped me in my business planning. Now, you can do three sessions a week for free, and it's only a few dollars a month for unlimited sessions. You can go and sign up at focusmate.com. Now, I know that you might be someone who's a little nervous at the thought of being matched with a stranger. So I'd like to invite you to book a Focusmate session with me. Simply go to creativeflow.tv forward slash Focusmate. And if I have some sessions booked, then you'll be able to match with me. So find the link in the description or type in creativeflow.tv forward slash Focusmate in your browser. That's one of the reasons when I started doing some research into this and came across these statistics, I was like, people don't know this. I need to share these. That's why I'm pulling out one every week, every episode, um, you know, every guest episode and sharing it because people need to know and that helps them. There is definitely something about quantifying a situation that makes it more real. Otherwise, it's just this 
vague generality and it's really yeah. easy I, I think particularly yeah you know I, I know I live in a bit of a bubble I am surrounded by people who are pro-equality of all kinds I, I don't have friends who are sexist who are racist who are whatever you know it's uh, and so it's easy to think the whole world has changed when actually it hasn't not enough. It has changed, obviously, but not enough yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's come a long way. Yeah. It's come a long way, but it's uh, definitely got a, got a long way to go. And I think as well, uh, something really important I want to say is like female, uh, I find personally that female personalities, we all have, um, we care a lot more about what people think. And we care a lot more about doing well and having stability. I find the men, so men are more bullish. Uh, with and I think to, to prevent that, to help women with that, is to encourage women in business. So when my friends go into business, I, you, you know, all the women, your friends, everyone around you should do nothing but support and encourage you. And I think that is so big is to, is to push other women up and constantly celebrate their successes because so much of the time they don't, people don't understand the fear you have when you start your own business. And a lot of it is my friends are going to think that I'm a failure. My friends are going to think I can't do this. Um, I'm, I'm going to fail at this. I, I'm not going to have a stable income. Whereas if those friends said to me, oh, I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And I wish I had the balls to do it. Like, if people said that to me, maybe I wouldn't have those those things in my head that hold me back. Um, and I think encouraging other women and the women around you and offering to help, like my mentor or mentoring other people or speaking on things like this, it, it, we should all try to help each other as much as we can. That's that's why I'm doing this. I'm getting um, <laughs> yeah, tingles down my spine now, you know, <laughs> in you saying that. Absolutely. Um, totally agree. And oh, that's great. <laughs> it, it's, it's in by sharing successful female entrepreneurs like yourself and, and people at different stages of the journey. So you've been going for, was it seven years, you said? Yeah. So, you know, you're going seven years as other people that are profiling and interviewing that, you know, maybe they're in businesses. So I've, I've got some charity leaders, I've got other service based businesses and and everything in between to to really get the, you know, OK, so who's leading teams of a few hundred staff and who are the people who are like, OK, well, OK, well, we're now over 10. So we're no longer technically a micro business. <laughs> we're now a small business, according to the government. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and just helping to showcase because if people don't understand the stories, if they don't know the journeys that people have been on, then they don't know that it's possible for them as well. And it's interesting, like you come from an entrepreneurial family. Your dad has a business. Your brother has. Are they separate businesses or the same business? Right. Separate businesses. Well, my, my dad's retired now, but uh, they were separate. OK, so, you, so you're actually in an entrepreneurial family. Yeah. I, I wonder if they hadn't said to you, Sarah, come and start this business with us. I don't think so. You, you probably wouldn't have started up your own business. 
No, I wouldn't have had the con I feel like, and this is so important too. I did law at, at university and I, I, I worked in law. So your vision's like this. Like, I can only do law. You know, um, I definitely think women especially do this. You know, I am good at this and I don't know anything else. But now after having my own business, there is no job I, I wouldn't apply to if I didn't have a job. There is no job that could come up and I would think I can't do that. Whereas before, I would think I can only do anything to do with law. But I think men are more bullish in terms of like, oh, I'll learn how to do that job later. I think um, women need to really understand that you, you're not a pigeonhole. Like people come to interviews to see me and they're like, oh, I, I don't really know this. Or, you know, and I'm like, oh, you can learn. You know, like you, I didn't know how to run a business when I started a business. I didn't know how to, uh, you know, I didn't even know like I'm, I'm great at Excel. I'm no expert in Excel. I'm an expert now. You know, like uh, I feel like, if you want something, you can do it. And half the thing that stops you is yourself. If you go to an interview, it, I have all these people come in front of me and I don't think, oh, their qualification says that they need to do whatever. It is the way they come across in the interview and how much they're willing to do it. And there is, there really isn't a job now where I think, oh no, I'm too scared to apply for that job. And it's so important don't pigeonhole yourself if you've done marketing your whole life and you've decided i don't want to do that anymore don't don't do it anymore do something else you're not in a marketing box marketing like um my marketing um lady at the moment she was a graphic designer so she was very much like oh, i only really know graphic design and i'm like well it's it's kind of marketing um so you know and now she's loving it and she's learned all these new things and she's and I think it's so important to remember that you, you and you might not know I didn't know till I started my own business I really like law <laughs> <laughs> it, you have to leave something to realize it's not what you want to do sometimes you're like I like this this is really good and then you're doing the same thing every day for five years um and it takes to go and do something else and be like oh I'm doing something different every day and every day is a new challenge and I feel much more energized and, you know, give, give yourself a break, try it. Absolutely. I, I think that's some great advice because I, just going back to the job thing, generally speaking, if a man can only meet like, you know, 50, 60% of the criteria of a job, they will apply for it, but a woman won't. And so an yeah. understanding, agree yeah, understanding, like if you can meet, I, I've had recruiters say to me, if you can meet 60% of the criteria, then go for it. Because, but I, I, I think it's, it is that thing about one, about the caring and wanting to do their best and not wanting to let somebody down. But then also the kind of, nyeh, 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 who do you think you are? Um, what will people think that crops up for people? Um, and, and and especially yeah. for women I mean it's it's interesting like I've you know I've coached both men and women both around business and mindset and you know it's not that men don't have their issues they do yeah, you know they, yeah. they have issues to, at times with confidence and and believing in themselves as well but I've noticed that they don't let let it hold them back as much so generally speaking yeah. For women, they will they will stop themselves from moving forward to what they actually really want, or even allowing themselves to know that this is what they really want. Yeah. So yeah, 
especially if you've got children i find that if they've been uh, you know had a family they're even less likely to think they can do something because oh you know I, i've been off for two years just and i'm like them. so yeah and it's like and that was hard <laughs> you know like being a mom can't be easy you know it's not like a negative trait on your cv you know and i think a lot of the time women really put them, can put themselves down um and not realize you know that should be something that they're saying in an interview yeah i raised two children at home now i'm ready to get back to it you know and it was more challenging than work yes. you know um, <laughs> so you know that's not a negative in in my book and I can't believe it is in anybody's book and I think a lot of the time they think because they have a family they can't do certain jobs like oh I can't put the hours in or I can't do this that's sometimes we just want somebody who's motivated um it's not necessarily about that and jobs are more and more flexible it's about results Absolutely. And hopefully one good thing that will have come out of the pandemic is increased flexibility where so many bosses have realized, oh, actually people can do this job or that job from home. Like obviously I understand a lot of what's done in your company can't be done from home unless people want to set up a plant <laughs> in their back garden. But there's, yeah. there certainly is a lot more ability for people to be flexible. I mean, to be honest, that flexibility was there. I think a lot of it came down to a lack of trust that if managers don't yeah. trust their teams, they're not going to trust them to do the work when they're out of sight. If they don't trust them to yeah. do the work when they oh, are in sight. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Half of jobs can be done from home, but people don't trust people to actually do the work. And it's like, well, this just proved a lot of that really wrong. And that goes down to how people lead and also about the clarity and accountability within teams and within businesses which kind of you know you know we were talking about the um help, helping your staff members to understand how they can be successful the more clarity that everyone has in terms of their responsibilities and what they contribute and how that feeds up to the company's goals then like, it's so much easier for people to hold themselves and their peers and their direct reports accountable, but not in a way that is kind of, you're not doing this, that, or the other. It's, it's just so interesting when there is that transparency and clarity, then people are much more able to work in the same direction and you know, to be working together as opposed to, oh, well, I'm doing this little bit over here and I'm all right, Jack or Jill, as the case may be. Um, and it doesn't matter what else is going on in the rest of the company, which is so yeah. prevalent, yeah. unfortunately, in, in a, a lot of firms. So you shared a great tip in terms of um, people going for what they want, not pigeonholing themselves. Um, what, what other advice would you give to um, female leaders or potential leaders who are listening right now? The biggest issue I had kind of runs along the time. So the biggest thing that I struggled with was the sense of failure. Um, you know, first year, it's really, really tough. First two years. And what really would affect my mentality so much of the time is everyone's going to think I'm going to fail. Everybody's going to think that I didn't do well. I wasn't very good at this. And I got to a point when it was so hard that 
it was kind of realization point where I was like, oh, I just don't care what people think, it's too late. And actually that, that did so much for me. You have to let go of thinking about what other people around you think. One, they weren't as brave as you. They didn't do this. They didn't, you know, and they think you're brave for doing it. So these these things in your head that you, you think aren't even real. And, and also, so what if it fails? So what? You did it. You tried. You know, you can go get another job. Would it matter if uh, two years into my business, I went and got a law job? Would it have made any difference to my life considerably? Yeah, I'd have learned a lot more starting my own business rather than doing two years and more. So don't be afraid of failure and be okay that if it doesn't work out, that you will still be able to pick up your life and get on with it and still advance. You're not going to lose your business and end up down here. You're going to lose your business and then you'll be able to get a better job. You know, and then you'll be able to do this. It's it's not like this whole uh, down. It's, um, you know, these are all stepping stones to where, where we're going to end up. And don't be afraid of it not working out. You need to let that go and push forward. And then if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's my biggest not, piece of Not advice. everything does work out. If we... Yeah. If we look at failure as a part of success instead of the opposite of success, it makes it a yes. lot easier to move forward and to take those yeah. calculated risks and to follow our intuitions because not everything's going to work. So like I do uh, 90 day planning cycles with my clients and it typically takes like two to four of those planning cycles for them to actually really start um, succeeding <laughs> um, and yeah. to be hitting all of the things that they, they set out to do. And that's even with doing it in a particular way that stops them um, over, it stops them. It's not about being um, over ambitious because I definitely believe in terms of goals, absolutely be ambitious, go for it. It's often yeah. much more exciting and motivating to go for a big goal, particularly if you are that entrepreneurial personality type, um, than to have a small goal that's kind of a bit, uh, yeah, meh. <laughs> yes. However, yeah. in terms of people over planning their available time, that's a different story. Yeah, different story. Um, always always understanding that not everything is going to work so you know when you're planning out a particular promotional <laughs> strategy it's taking that knowledge and bringing it forward into the next planning cycle yeah. what did i learn from this and what worked if what it fails learning from it you know i've made so many mistakes because i didn't know what i was doing now i do <laughs> because you've made a mistake how else would i know like i could either let somebody else run it or i have to learn and sometimes you learn the hard way but I won't make that mistake again or I've learned a lot from that mistake and and now I can say I've been you know I feel like half of having your business is going through the pain and you've got to go through the pain you've got to you've got to get past it and uh, learn from the mistakes and then next time you're going to get it right absolutely or at least more right than you did the first time <laughs> yeah. you're still always going to make mistakes no matter what and that's it I think Sometimes people think, oh, when I get to X, then all my problems are going to magically disappear. And it's not. It's just about having a, a different quality of problem. <laughs> and oh, wouldn't yeah. life be boring oh, if you had no problems at all? 
yeah well we would create them anyway no one has no yeah. problems so you're always going to have problems so you know keep thinking that you're never going to have any is a fallacy <laughs> definitely definitely you know life happens i i personally i believe that you know this is a very important part of life is to learn different lessons mentally emotionally professionally you know in business yeah. that's um I, I think it, you know, keeps things interesting. I, I I don't want to be in a position where I go, well, yeah, I know it all now. It's yeah. Like, okay, well, hmm, that might be my last day. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. no, no, I've got more to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Never stop learning. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So um, I know some of the things that, that you've talked about here about, you know, going for it, pushing yourself forward, not pigeonholing yourself, uh, not being afraid to make mistakes or being afraid of failure. Um, you know, I, I think this and it's, and it's really interesting, isn't it? That actually everything that you're talking about is all mindset related. Yes, I, I think mindset is most of the battle. Yeah, yeah. Though, you know, you did talk about funding as well. And I think there is that very practical thing of actually talking oh, yeah. to your industry bodies your local organizations and finding out what is available what support can you get and making sure that you're making yeah. the most of that as well so yeah definitely yeah. fantastic sarah it's been uh, an absolute pleasure to hear more about you and your story where can people get a hold of you um, so you can get a hold of me as your liquid solutions. Um, so you can either ring the office on 01942-290-124 or I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, we have Facebook, Instagram uh, or you know, drop me an email. Absolutely. Fantastic. And we will pop uh, links to those in the show notes as well. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for sharing your story with us and your journey. And I wish you all the success in growing Azure to even bigger. Let's hope. <laughs> Thank you so much. And that's all for today, folks. Make sure that you subscribe to get more of this juicy goodness for your business and check the description for links mentioned in this episode. Enjoyed this free broadcast? I want you to know that I go so much deeper into the topics discussed so you too can grow a fun to run, highly profitable business that increases your impact and your creative flow. If you'd like to know more about that, let's arrange to hop on a call. You can set that up at creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una. That's creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una.